1: in Washington was the opening line of a text I woke to just after 7 a.m. on Friday morning. And what I sensed in the text I received from an old, old friend with whom I have shared both friendship and political activities and some business activities for over 20 years was a problem. That text continued, not the energy that it has been in years past. Speaking of the city and its temperament, its energy. Maybe it's just me, but there's something that feels off. Like an, I don't know, an idleness, palpable but unspoken sense that things aren't right. Like people are waiting for something but without expectation. There's a near universal acknowledgement sometimes even spoken, that these are, quote, interesting, unquote, times in which we live. But also, a sense that something is going to happen, but nobody knows what. Everyone just hunkers down and focuses on the work on their desk, almost like tuning out the rest, because there's nothing we can do about whatever is coming. It's not quite a sense of hopelessness or indifference, just an uncertainty, a lack of expectation. It's a feeling I've seen walking around in third world countries, but not here, not in the one place that was always a beacon for those elsewhere. It's sad. It's not just that he's an awful president, it's that not a single one of our national leaders are helping people feel good about themselves or this country and its potential. My friend didn't write that text for any purpose except to share their perception of the mood in D.C. with someone that they knew would understand and care. There was no call to action in the text, but maybe it's time for action. Maybe it's time for the American people to begin to demand a return to government of the people, by the people, and for the people. The solemn trappings of the impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump played out last Thursday. This coming Tuesday, The trial will begin in earnest, and by earnest, I mean fair, fully transparent, absolutely public. As John Meacham, the author of The Soul of America, said one evening last week, we are going to test whether we remain a nation of laws or become one of partisan privilege. Neither of those two statements should be taken as an indication of any outcome of the trial that I favor, because until you and I, the American people, have seen and heard all of the evidence, and I do mean all of the evidence, I don't know how I will feel. I don't know how the majority of us will feel. There is a significant difference between concluding, as 75% of Americans polled in December have, and that number includes 45% of Republicans polled, the president did something wrong, quote, unquote, and demanding. There is a really significant difference between having that sense that something is wrong and demanding the most severe response. Which would be impeachment and removal from office. To excuse the president's behavior as wholly appropriate or to demand his immediate removal from office just 10 months before a presidential election, well, you know what? Both of those may be the wrong outcome. The only way to determine the correct outcome is to have a full, fair, and transparent impeachment in the Senate. No shenanigans, no parliamentary tricks, no histrionics, no, no closed-camera debates about the Senate, about what rules the Senate will modify in, you know, that will allow 51 individuals in the United States Senate to shirk their duty as fair and impartial jurors. And by no shenanigans, I mean no calls for extraneous witnesses like Joe Biden or Hunter Biden who have no relevant testimony to offer as to the president's conduct in office or the whistleblower who has a lawful right to privacy. By no shenanigans, I mean the White House, the Department of Defense, and the State Department must provide the documents they refuse refused to give to the House of Representatives, attempting to do their oversight duty for months now. Some of the same documents we learned Friday, OMB refused to hand over to the Government Accountability Office, an independent internal government watchdog, leading the GAO's lawyers to conclude, and that's the Government Accountability Office lawyers to conclude faithful execution of the law does not permit the president to substitute his own policy priorities for those that Congress has enacted into law OMB withheld funds for a policy reason which is not permitted under the impoundment control act the withholding was not a programmatic delay therefore we conclude that OMB violated the Impoundment Control Act. The GAO's findings completely confirm Department of Defense memos to OMB regarding the potential illegality of the withholding of Ukraine aid released just two weeks ago in response to a Freedom of Information request that was approved by the federal courts. The Impoundment Control Act was passed by Congress during the Nixon administration, after Nixon had similarly tried to impose his judgment on Congress, which holds the power of the purse. Article one, article 1 has the total power of the purse, and once a budget is enacted and is signed into law, it is the law of the land, and the president's job and his team is to execute that decision, Nixon was forced to sign the impoundment Control Act because and this is the funny part, okay, because he was weakened, his authority was weakened by an ongoing impeachment investigation being conduct conducted by a special house committee because he would have resisted had he felt the wind of reelection at his back. But in the face of ongoing impeachment inquiries, he was forced to admit in, and, and to sign a law that guaranteed the supremacy of, con- of Congressional decision-making in the budget and allocation process. And we can refer back again, to John Meacham, who is one of the three authors of the little book, Impeachment. And if you haven't read it, reading about the Nixon impeachment, which was written, uh, which Meacham did not write uh, that section, but it's a really interesting and very quick read. But once again, we do hear the footsteps of history in the Capitol hallways. And then there was the Bolt from Bolton. Who now says he's ready to testify if subpoenaed by the Senate. He's made some interesting and tantalizing statements. His thinking about the Ukraine situation, a drug deal, according to Fiona Hill, is known to the Senators. A longtime Republican team member, I would think that Mitch McConnell and his gang of 54 would want to hear from John Bolton. And then there is the fact that we all witnessed the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, lying about his knowledge of the, of the July 25th phone call on an August Meet the Press and on other Sunday talk shows as well. It was an error of commission, which he now acknowledges. He was on the phone call. I want to know what else Mike Pompeo now remembers about phone calls with Rudy Giuliani, about the Yovanovitch firing. My goodness, that one this week became so fraught with innuendo and possibilities that even the Ukrainian government has announced they are investigating the Yovanovitch firing. I'd like to hear from Nick Mulvaney, who said of a quid pro quo, we do it all the time tell where else, when and why. And last, there is the Rachel Maddow interview of Lev Parnas, a Giuliani association who had a lot to say. So let's acknowledge right off the bat that Mr. Parnas is a lowlife, but he's a lowlife just like many lowlifes in the Mafia are who understood the precariousness of his position, so he kept every scrap of defensive evidence, pictures, texts, recorded phone calls, all in an attempt to protect himself from forces he knew could do great harm to him if they chose to do so. I don't think you can take Mr. Parnas at his word. I think everything that he said needs to be corroborated. But if it can be corroborated, it contributes to the total body of evidence about the Ukraine. All this new evidence exists or existed, but was withheld from the House of Representatives by the White House and other members of his administration. Some of it is coming out now because it's being driven by the speed of events. Thus, you know, I think Mr. Parnas' decision to go public Certainly falls in that category. Otherwise, he might have saved his revelations for when they could help him in a plea deal around his election fraud issues. As already quoted, John Meacham is correct, or at least I think he is. It is time to affirm that we are a nation of laws. And perhaps the ennui, the anxiety that my friend is feeling in D.C., is the concern. Now, we need to affirm that we are a nation of laws, that no one, as the Supreme Court said of President Nixon, no one is above the law. If the Republican Party believes Mr. Trump to be blameless or guilty of a punishment less than impeachment, it is time to prove. Prove that. And there's only one way to prove it with a fair, and transparent impeachment trial. No shenanigans, no parliamentary games, no witness intimidation, no backroom deals, a fair and transparent trial based on the evidence so that the American people can have confidence in the eventual outcome. And you know what, that's not gonna happen unless you and I, the voters, believe that we are a nation of laws, that we must insist that Mitch McConnell work with both the House impeachment managers and the White House lawyers to get to the truth. Think of the Articles of Impeachment as an indictment. Now we are going to go to trial. A trial is the place in which The jury is supposed to be presented with the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we are far from that at this point. We cannot allow just the narrow first blush of truth that the White House was willing to release or was cajoled out of brave career government servants. We the people must, by phone call, by email, and most importantly, by refusing to make political contributions as small as a dollar or as big as $2,500 to any individual Senate campaign or national party campaign or special political PAC until we have witnessed, Witnessed, and I do mean when I say witness that you and I have seen and heard all the proceedings of this trial. Only we, we the people, can ensure that the impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump will be fair, open, and impartial. None of this, no new evidence poppycock. None of this rigged process BS that we've heard so much about. If you watch the House proceedings, and 70 million people did, we're not buying it none of the president blocking witnesses on the flimsy grounds that he's protecting the rights of some future president. None of the witness whistleblower intimidation and no extraneous witnesses like Joe Biden. Although, you know, on second thought, I would like to know how Hunter Biden justified his hefty paycheck from Burisma. You know, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. It isn't what the son of an American vice president should be doing. But it does not indict his father, and it does not indict the work that his father did in the Ukraine to diminish the influence of corruption in that in that very um, important country. The concept that nothing not written into the Articles of Impeachment, which is an indictment, can be introduced in the Senate, is a rigged and partial trial and does not meet the standard required by either the American people or the Founding Fathers. I mean, how many of you watch Law & Order? You know, when the defendant doesn't isn't willing to take the stand, and the judge says, you know, you can't hold that against them, you can't make inferences from that, that violates logic and human nature. Of course, if you withhold information, you don't withhold it because it's exculpatory. That's just, I mean, I didn't need to go to law school to learn that. Hey, I didn't need to go to business school to learn that one either. But that is the fact that if you've got evidence that will make you look better, you're going to be throwing open the kimono. The concept that nothing not written into the original articles of impeachment can be introduced in the Senate ends up being a rigged and partial trial and does not meet the standard required by either the American people or our founding fathers. And when they say there is no law that was broken, I want you to remember that that's silly, because the impeachment clause of the Constitution was written several years before any ink ever hit a piece of parchment to begin to create the Federal Judicial Code. So There were no federal laws in that time this was the Constitution is the overriding piece of law and so I leave you with Alexander Hamilton who reminds us in the well-known musical of the same name that if you want to be in the know if you want to be part of the decision making I want you got to be in the room when it happens No one really knows how the game is played, the art of the trade, how the sausage gets made. We just assume that it happens, but no one else is in the room where it happens. Well, for my part, for the next several weeks, you and I need to be part of that jury that's in the room. Perhaps it's more important that you and I be in that room because these senators are there for one simple reason. They represent us. We are the jury. They act on our behalf. From Ambassador Volker to Ambassador Sundland to David Holmes, Fiona Hill, and Colonel Alexander Vindman, we've heard honorable and reliable testimony that the president did something something wrong is it a high crime is the nation at risk as long as he is in the White House I and I'm speaking only for myself believe that John Bolton may offer our representatives in the Senate and us as the people of America some valuable advice to the senators think not about your primary victory so much as as can you as <clears throat> so much as can you hold on to your seat next november or in november 2022 or 2024 and more importantly do we the voters think you should hold on to that seat and to my friend in washington if the American people do what needs to be done in the next few weeks, if they demand the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, well, that would be the other shoe dropping. I don't know where it's going to drop, but it would drop. And as we close this podcast, we'll be back on Tuesday, With a real quickie about yeah, sure, a woman can get elected president, but there's some buts in that. And then, as we look forward, the president signed his agreement with China. Um, We passed the Senate passed uh, the UCMCA this week. It will go to the president. There are some improvements. Um, mainly uh, in Mexican representation, it, uh, Mexico's willingness as a government to help their industrial workers to unionize um, and to get better wages, et cetera. Um, so there are some things in it, but really, in in large measure, it's NAFTA 2.0. In in the in principle, it is NAFTA 2.0. But we should talk about it at some point. California's governor, I know some of you are not Californians, but here's the, the sad news. There is a certain amount of truth in the expression that there goes California, so goes California, so goes the nation. Um, <clears throat> so the fact that Governor Newsom has proposed a $22 trillion, a billion dollar, I'm sorry, that was, I just had a heart attack there, a $22 billion state budget. Um am trying to ask a couple of questions. What's in it? Can we afford it? And how do we account for it now that the controller has acknowledged that the state of California can't account for the checks that it, it can't run an audit, can't account for the checks that it issues? Is your head exploding yet? <laughs> I didn't make a mistake. The state of California has acknowledged that it spent over, you know, uh, it sent billions of dollars in checks out last year and it has no way to audit them. Do you, as a citizen, have a right to know what threats to your safety exist at home and abroad? Interesting question, isn't that? Well, apparently, our director of. Uh, I, excuse me, our acting director of national intelligence would like to keep us, that's you and me, in the dark even as we begin to make our overseas vacation travel plans. And why does he want to keep us in the dark? Why does he not want his intelligence um, agencies, the 17 agency chiefs, to testify before the House and Senate Intelligence Committees as they do every year? In public why does he not want them to do that because it makes the president angry when they go in public and they contradict his rosy statements on the campaign trail so no it's not a malatrope I didn't make a mistake that really is the request that the acting DNI made and the to congress to the two intelligence committees and that was the reason he gave that and we'll be back with a short little ditty about why a woman can be elected president and there's a big but in that and we'll be back soon with another episode of reimagine america's radio hour